This is America on Par, a powerful bunch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Well, the big news is obviously the terror attack in Orlando. What happened there is horrible, maddening, saddening, and outrageous. I have a few friends who are journalists covering events there in Orlando, and I'm reminded of one of the habits I had as a journalist. It wasn't enough to cover the action. You have to cover the reaction as well. That's part of the story and often the most powerful part of the story, the reaction. It tells more about a people and an event than the event itself. So if the way America has reacted to this Orlando attack tells more about who we are as a people than the attack itself then we collectively need a timeout. I'm watching how America is reacting to this event, and the story it tells is not good. Prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor, there were internal arguments about cash and carry, about the New Deal, about court stacking. But in the hours and days after Pearl Harbor, all of that faded into the background. We dropped our internal arguments to face a foreign foe united. Nine months before the terror attack of 9-11, we were finishing up the most contested presidential election since John Quincy Adams and the most divisive presidential election since Lincoln. But on September 12th, those divisions went away. In the months that followed the falling of the Twin Towers, we were one nation. Hillary Clinton and George Bush agreed on most things, and Democrats and Republicans became Americans first, partisans second. It's the only time since Watergate that Americans' trust in government was higher than 50%. The only time. That goodwill died in 2003 with the invasion of Iraq. Now, those two previous attacks, Americans dropped our petty internal squabbles to face a common enemy. This week, we have collectively failed to do that. To paraphrase the president, we have clung to our arguments about guns and religion when we should have been pointing out the virtues of our imperfect union versus the evil ideology of our enemy. We've been picking at political scabs just to watch them bleed. This problem of our poor reactions to Orlando starts at the top. They begin with our nation's leaders. In the wake of this attack against Americans, our leaders should have stood up for the values our nation holds dear and pointed out how those differ from the value systems of our enemies. They could have easily done this. What if our leaders had stood up and said something like this? Our nation was founded upon an idea that we are all created equal that we are endowed with certain unalienable rights, that among these are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The jihadi terrorists who seek to create a worldwide totalitarian caliphate do not believe in those ideas. They believe in force and violence and submission to the whims of a so-called religious leader. They believe that evil is good and that good is evil. They have been deceived and they will be defeated. 
See, that's the type of language Reagan would have used. Notice how that statement upholds the values of America, all America. But that's not what our leaders did. Obama and Hillary used the opportunity to call for gun control. Trump used the opportunity to call for stronger immigration control. Again, that's an internal fight. All of them picked internal fights instead of focusing on the external fight. You're facing an external enemy that seeks our total destruction. And while they may not have the ability to achieve that militarily today, they do have the power and the ability and the desire and the opportunity to kill hundreds and maybe thousands of us at will. Instead of focusing on the enemy, the external threat to all Americans, our leaders picked internal fights with each other and with you. We are fighting about what to call the relationship between two men or two women. Is it a marriage? Is it something else? The Islamists who are trying to take over the world are not arguing over what you call that relationship. They are arguing over the correct form of capital punishment for being gay in the first place. Do you throw them off of buildings? Do you stone them? Do you bury them alive? Light them on fire in front of a, a cage with a, a crowd watching? Do you crucify them or just cut their heads off? What's the right way here? Then once you've done that, do you, do you post it to Twitter or Vimeo or YouTube or Facebook? What's, what's the right way to publicize this capital punishment? That's what they're arguing over. In the United States, the rights of all minorities, gay, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, women, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, all minorities are greater than they are anywhere in the Middle East. And that's because we believe we are all created equal, and we have the same unalienable rights. Our enemy doesn't believe that. Our enemy is wrong, and the ideas they hold are evil. But the blame for our collective failings and how we have reacted to Orlando don't just stop with the political elites. They filter down to us, to you and me, to the people as well. We have jumped to false conclusions. We have thought about other Americans as them rather than us. We have condemned each other for perceived slights on Twitter and Facebook. Often those condemnations came without facts, without justice. There are several stories of how our reactions to Orlando reflect poorly on us as Americans. I'm sure you can look in your own social media feeds and find examples on your own. But let me just give you two. I got more. I'm just going to share two. The first is from my home state of Texas. At precisely 7 a.m. Sunday, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, not the sports announcer, the Lieutenant Governor, sent out a tweet. It was a graphic, a picture of a plowed field and blue skies, and it had a Bible verse printed on it. It said, quote, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6-7. Instantly, the reaction started to flow. People started calling him disgusting and vile and said he wasn't fit for holding political office. Stories began to be written 
and posted online about what an awful person Dan Patrick is for tweeting a Bible verse on Sunday morning. Nowhere on the tweet did the lieutenant governor mention Orlando or gays or terrorists. He just sent out a picture of blue skies, plowed field, Bible verse. Well, it turns out that tweet wasn't actually sent by Patrick at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. It was sent out by an automated program that had been scheduled on Thursday evening. So they scheduled it Thursday evening to go out Sunday morning, and precisely at 7 a.m., it went out. The graphic and verse had been prepared ahead of time and automated to come out on Sunday morning when many Texans who have actually read the Bible still go to church. What's more, Patrick does this every week. Every week. His staff pulled the tweet down because it was causing so much controversy and was receiving such a virulent response. Patrick was actually out of the country at the time, but was able to speak to some reporters about the tweet on the phone and explained that it had nothing to do with Orlando, but facts schmacks. It didn't stop angry reactions from our fellow Americans. Some were trying to score political points, like the group Turn Texas Blue, a Democrat group that believes they will make Texans vote for Democrats because of the high level of immigration into the state. In short, they think they can turn Texas blue as Texas becomes more and more brown. And yet that's somehow not racist. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. So, Turn Texas Blue tweets at 11.31 on Sunday, hours after the true story was already out. Quote, in response to the Florida nightclub massacre where 50 people died, coward Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick sends his judgment. It wasn't about Florida. It was about God. And that somehow makes Patrick a coward and not the radical Islamic terrorist who shot over 100 people at a nightclub in the middle of the night. No, Patrick's the coward, not that guy. It wasn't just political organizations. It was individuals. It was you. It was me. Some of my personal friends posted about this on Facebook. I saw it on their feeds. I saw other friends, people I have great respect and love for, who wrote horrible things about the lieutenant governor because they were reacting to the story without getting all the facts. These are people who should know better. And once they did learn the facts, it was very difficult for them to come down from their perches of indignation. This reaction by Americans tells a story about America, and we don't end up looking good in the telling of it. One more example. You've probably heard of Mike Rowe. He's the former host of the TV show Dirty Jobs. I always liked him on that show, but since then, since the show ended, I've decided the man has earned a PhD in common sense. His approach to life is very level-headed and demonstrates great wisdom. So in the wake of the Orlando attacks, he sent a post on Facebook. Quote, I'm on a plane now, headed back to Baltimore, watching this nightmare unfold on the seat back in front of me. There's a kid sitting next to me, maybe 10 years old, trying to get his head around the details of what's happened. He has many questions, and because he's seen me on television... He thinks I have all the answers. All I could think to tell him was the same thing I always recall on days like this one. It's a quote from Mr. Rogers. Quote, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Okay, so Mike Rowe quotes Mr. Rogers to a young child 
sitting next to him on a plane. And Mr. Rogers was right. There were helpers, the police who saved lives. The doctors and nurses who worked around the clock in operating rooms and at bedsides. The thousands of regular Floridians who went and donated blood because the supplies were running low. They weren't doing it because they were pro-gay or anti-Muslim or Republicans or Democrats. They did it because we are all created equal and endowed with the right to life. And donating that blood might help one other equal person keep that right to life for a little longer. So how could anyone find fault with Mike Rowe quoting Mr. Rogers? Because in this day and age, we Americans need a timeout. Here's one criticism leveled at Mr. Rowe on his Facebook page. Quote, why would you not tell this little boy the truth? Islam is a terror group that was given safe haven in our country by the current administration. They are hired to kill you. Why would you not tell him that? It is the truth. And by the way, that last part was all in caps, which means they're yelling. You see, Republicans can do it too. We can jump to conclusions that lead us into outrage and we lash out with internal fights instead of facing the external threats with our fellow Americans at our side. And I keep telling you to look at the reactions and not just the actions because that tells a story of who we really are at this moment in time. Here's Mike Rowe's reaction to the Facebook criticism. When asked why he didn't tell this child that Islam was given safe haven by the current president and that they want to kill him, Roe wrote, quote, because he's 10 and because he's on a plane for the first time and because I'm not his dad, close quote. Now that's a reaction we can all support. He cared more for the well-being of the stranger next to him than he did to furthering a partisan political point. We can't figure out how, as a nation, to stand against a common enemy. Maybe we can find a way to follow Mike Rowe's example to support the fellow American next to us. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light of the morning, I can see hope the red light.